You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 149, sponsored by eMusic and Netflix. Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 149. My name is Connor. I'm here with Ron. Hello. And Josh. Hey. 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 Here we go. Hey. What's with this guy? What's with this guy? Hey. Hey. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> we are a fanboy, and we Whoa. like comics. We read comics, and every week we read a bunch of comics, and then one of us picks the best one they read that week. They write about it on the website, and then, and then they talk about it. We talk about it on this here show, along with other books of the week, other topics of interest, other other goofy things. And before yeah. we get started, we'd like to remind everyone that this is a spoiler-filled show. We talk about the books week. So, oh, hey, oh, 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 oh. If you don't want to be spoiled, get the fuck out of here. Whoa, hey, whoa. <laughs> Ron had to pick this week. Yes, I did. Um, so let's get right down to it. Uh, so it was a light week, I thought. Um, I don't know if you guys had, had a similar. I always need to recap the week, you know. Like it was a heavy week, it was a light week, it was an okay week. I don't know. Um, but but what was interesting about it was is that you know there's some stuff came out. Not a lot of the big event. I don't think anything from the big various events came out. Um, it was a lot of uh, um, a lot of series that I really do enjoy, like Green Lantern, Noble Causes, Savage Dragon, stuff like that. Uh, Spider Amazing Spider Man came out. Um, and they're all really good. I don't think any. I don't. I, this is one of those rare week, weeks. Wow, I can't talk. One of those rare weeks where, um, you know, I thought every comic I bought was. I'm like, yeah, I like comics. This is why I like comics. But it was the wild card that grabbed me. Um, so the pick of the week ended up being the book called The Roberts, uh, published by Image Comics, and it's uh, five ninety nine, which we'll get to in a second. Um, and I, it's funny because I, I don't know if I would have bought this if I didn't, uh, admittedly, and here's the power of podcasting, if I didn't hear one of the guys who was involved in this book, and I don't know who it was because I don't remember his name, but he was on Around Comics a couple of weeks ago. Um, and very briefly talked about his book, and I think they, if I remember correctly, they had audio problems on that show, and pretty much all he said was what the concept was, and then they they lost the rest of the conversation, which you know they're amateurs that happens. Um, but um, uh, but basically the concept was is that uh, uh, the Boston Strangler, a serial killer of the Boston area who strangled people, and the Zodiac Killer. Um, a serial killer who killed people in the San Francisco Bay Area uh, end up in the same retirement home, and like that was that that was the concept. And I was like, I've got to I've got to check this book out. So I've kind of kept it on my radar. And then I saw it was coming out this week. Um, I, I thought it was really interesting. I mentioned this on my review on iFanboy.com that it's the the book is five ninety nine. It's a six dollar comic book. But it's one of two issues, and this issue was – this is I didn't count the pages, but it's got to be 40, 48 pages, right? I think it's 48, yep. Yeah, so it's 48 so it's, pages, so it's, so it's twice the size of a normal comic book. So if a normal comic book than. is two ninety nine, oh wait, is it more – no, it's, it's more than double, right? Yeah. Um, comic book is two pages. People pay, 20, 20, pay, pay $3 for 22 pages all the time. Yep. No, it's actually is, comics are 32 pages. With ads. Well, That's with ads. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. 22 pages yeah. of story, yeah. 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 So twenty-two pages of story at three bucks. So six bucks, you should really get forty-four pages. So you get four extra pages of story with this one. Um, so in that in that regard, it's not that bad. And it's funny because Gorilla's number one that we talked about last week was also forty-eight pages and five ninety-nine. I'm wondering if Image is kind of sliding in a new format under our noses without us noticing. Um, except I noticed, so I'm on to you, Eric Stevenson. I think everyone noticed it. Yeah, I mean, no, which I think is great because this is almost the middle ground between a trade and the issue format. You know, you know, an original graphic novel at ten, twelve bucks for something that's completely untested. Yep. So that's not an insignificant amount to spend. So, if this is an experiment on format, it's it's not a horrible one. Yeah, not at all. No, I think I'm very intrigued by it. The difference between the Roberts and Gorillas is Gorillas is a nine issue series, while this is only a two issue series, which I thought was interesting. Um, There's like, not a single ad in this whole book. Yeah, it's amazing. Not anywhere. Not even on the inside. The back, co- the back inside cover there is. 
No, but yeah. those, are, those are house ads. Yeah, there's a house ad, yeah. Well, that, you see, and that's the great thing about independent comics is that independent comics can take risks, and I talked about this in my review as well, is that they can take risks, they can get away with – don't ask me how. They can get away with putting out a book with no ads in it where it's just all content, and they can do things like you know, like you know, two serial killers in a retirement home. Um, but now – At sorry. six bucks, though, that has to be – they have to find some way to grab you. Well, that, that, and that's the risk, and that's what I was worried about when I picked it up because because when you hear when and everyone I've told about this book when I said the Boston Triangle, the Zodiac Killer in the same retirement home, everyone's laughed. Every, mm-hmm. Everyone's laughed with oh that, and and then they said oh that sounds awesome and that sounds genius, but it's funny. And so yeah, when it's I picked, not funny. Yeah, when I picked this up, I was worried. I didn't know whether the tone of this was going to be kind of yucking it up and kind of playing with it. And this was dead dry serious. And not only was it dead dry serious, what I thought was really interesting about it was it it played up the um, the concept of getting old, of getting old in the society that we have. You know, the the issue, the the main issue focuses on the 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 alleged Boston Triangle. Just to disclaim, this is not nonfiction. This is all fake. This is all you know. This is speculation. This is a story. It's not true. Um, but so the, in the in the Roberts, the Boston Strangler is a guy named Robert Kenneth Sprunger, and he's in a retirement home. And we're introduced to his world and just how boring it is, and how he's just waiting to die. And how even though and it's in the beginning, I thought there was a really, really, really touching, strong testament towards the idea of getting old and how even though, you know, like there's this whole thing where like, you know, arthritis doesn't keep you from wanting to ski or hike or have sex and, you know, like this idea that, you know, people are getting old still want to live. It's just that their body is quitting on them. And it's just really interesting to see that kind of um, that kind of exploration of the concept of getting old, and then you twist it because the guy who is getting old is somebody who has taken many, many lives. And he wants to take more, but yes. his body won't let him. Exactly, exactly. And it was well. We should also back up and say that uh, Albert Salva was arrested and, and, and convicted of being the Boston Strangler, even though there are doubts about whether he really was. So right. And this and, is total. This is this is saying it, it, it doesn't even open up and say he was a, someone was was arrested for it, but really yeah. they got the wrong guy. Yeah, like he, yeah. I mean, he he basically when we're when we're after a couple of pages of kind of intro, we're introduced to him, and you know he says you know most of the world believes I was captured, incarcerated, and killed in prison. He says, but most of the world is wrong. And then he you know then he reveals himself, and he reveals that not only did, you know he killed more people than he got credit than he got credit for. Um, Twenty-one instead yeah. of thirteen. Yeah, which is which is interesting in of itself. And so, and then it, um, it so it, we see him kind of languishing in this in this retirement home until a new guy moves in, and this new guy is also named Robert, and kind of is very aggressive in his pursuit of befriending the Boston Strangler. Um, kind of you know may, you know kind of chit chats with them, and then invites him to go out have lunch with his family, uh, and then you kind of see them you know see them their relationship kind of growing up till finally. You know, the Boston Strangler turns to the guy and says, like, what's your problem? He's like, why, why are you so interested in me? Like, what's the deal? Like, you know, and slowly he, this other guy reveals that he is the Zodiac Killer and that he, you know, you know, that, and I think that the Boston Strangler almost knew that he was like him. Like, we know there's a line in the comic where he says, we, you know, we can smell one of our own. Um, yep. And, you know, it, the book ends with, you know, basically finding out that this, this guy is the Zodiac Killer and he's sought out the Boston Strangler and he's at the retirement home for a reason. And, you know, and, and that's when it ends. And it just it just from page one to page 48, this book had me. It just had me at the start. Uh, it, gra- it grabbed a hold of me, too, from the yeah. beginning. And I, I was when we talk about the Dark Knight movie and Josh says he was tense the entire time and he came after, out of finishing the movie up all you know, knotted up inside. That was how I felt after reading this book. I was yep. on the on the edge of every page and when I was finished I was like, Woof, that was Yeah. That was just har- harrowing and it was you know, what's gonna happen? Is this guy gonna kill someone? Is this is is, is these two guys are famous serial killers who uh, are, are they gonna attack each other? Like what's gonna happen? And then yeah, like, you get to the end cliffhanger you're like, Oh my god, now what's gonna happen? And then it's just like Woo. Yeah, it it's was like it's it's really like a, just tense. It's like does the Zodiac killer want to take out the Boston Strangler? Do they want to team up and take out the retirement home? Like are they going to start killing again? Like I have no idea, and I can't wait for the next issue. Um, I thought that the writers, uh, Wayne uh, Chinsang and Justin Shady, 
really, really great dialogue and really great kind of set story setting. Um, it's very realistic. I mean, like so, a lot of the stuff they talk about, and like the, the conversation that the Zodiac Killer and the Boston Strangler have at one point, where you know, where the Zodiac Killer is talking about, like, doesn't this make you sick? He's like, you know, like you know the yeah. you know the forced pleasantries and the you know like and you know not being able to show people who you really are, and then it just gets and then the the art too. I, I mean, the, the I want to talk about the art about from Eric Rose in a second, but the, that one page that I'm talking about is like it's the art zooms in. In with each panel on the Zodiac Killer, and finally ends with a close up of his eyes, and he just says, "You know, sometimes all the fake kindness makes me want to kill someone." And it's just like, <laughs> it, and like the tension of those panels was just yep. so well done. The storytelling in this book was really, really good. Um, I thought the art—I could see why some people might not like the art because it's 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 a black and white book, which I think is good because it um, the the black and white and the shadows and the, the the use of light and dark allow you to I think that ties into the mood. But um, there are times where it looks you know overly photo referenced or you see the photos like I can see Photoshop patterns and textures that he used and stuff like that. Um, but I don't think it, I don't think it gets in the way. I think it works. Um, I think that you know these are regular people. They're not in costumes or anything like that. So at no point did I not know who somebody was, either if it was su- something subtle as their haircut or putting the Boston Strangler in a Boston Red Sox T-shirt, or you know like the little little touches that made the story kind of flow. And I, I thought the art really worked in this. And, and I loved the art. I yeah. thought it was gritty and it was it was dark and it, it totally fit the mood and it was grimy and it was yeah. totally added to the level of tension that I felt because yeah, it totally. wasn't you weren't comfortable reading it and yeah. the art was fantastic storytelling and so the art was. Very complimentary to the story. It's yeah. just like, it I think any other kind of art style wouldn't have worked. Right. I suppose you know, like if you used more of a, I don't want to say cartoony, but sort of line-based style. Jamie McKelvey. Yeah. Yeah, that would have taken away from the realism, and this was a book that was very steeped in. Well, realism I, I suppose and what what i thought was really interesting was 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 the not all you know like the the photo reference kind of you know shots of the people and and really in the detail with the wrinkles and things like that but then at the end of the book when the zodiac killer reveals himself there's a two-page spread of um parallel vertical panels of the boston strangler killing somebody and the zodiac killer kill, killing somebody down these two vertical strips and the art style changed subtly and i thought it was just so it was harrowing. It was. It was. I mean, it was scary. You know, like it was. Yep. It, it it represented a flashback of both guys to remembering what their crimes were like. That was so spooky and was just. I mean, it just was really well done. Really, really. Well, well for done. one thing, that that image of the Zodiac is it's just always spooky. Oh, with the guy always with the hood spooky. with the gun and everything. Yes. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Is always that spooky. Real photo or is that? Just, yes. Yeah. Well, that's based on real, uh, real. Um, the, that attack, the, the guy survived it. Yeah, and that's his 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 story is that you, this guy in a hood showed up, and that's have, creepy. Have you not seen the the movie Zodiac, Josh? Yet? I have. I actually don't commit everything that's ever happened oh, to me to memory. Oh, so no, sometimes because <laughs> that the movie had the, the movie had almost the exact same shot. Yeah, no, I couldn't yeah. remember. I know, but just because the shots in a movie that doesn't like so when when you say to me that 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 image is is very. Striking, it may make me wonder if there was an image that I didn't necessarily know about. Right. No, no, well, there's no, a, no. There's a drawing. There's a uh, witness account. There's no photograph. If there was, right. we'd have him. No, the Zodiac was never found. All the re- recent yeah. developments aside, no one knows of the Zodiac. Yeah, like literally, like last week, there, there in Sacramento, a news story, a news station is breaking news that they think they might have, they might have found the identity of the Zodiac killer, and go look on Wikipedia for that information. But, um, but yeah, but this was, this was. A great surprise, and like, and it's tough because it, it like it couldn't have come out on a better week. Because if it came out last week, I don't know if I would have bought it. I don't know if I would have gotten to it. I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's tough for books like this to peek through the masses of books that come out. Um, and I'm just, you know, and hopefully us talking about it will get more people to go check it out because this is going to be a fun book. I can, and I totally understand if somebody wants to wait till it's collected in one volume. I, I wouldn't argue that at all. Normally, I'm I'm big on the you know just buying issues and enjoy it. In fact, Connor, I was I was surprised you bought it. I thought you'd wait for the trade. Well, I, I, the concept is too compelling for me. Yeah. I mean, this is true crime is fascinating to me, and I'm always interested in these kind of things. But um, I mean, I didn't know about it until until Josh mentioned it in the shipping mini, and uh, I was like, oh, I have to get that no matter yeah. what. So I did. Did you I, pick this I up, was Josh? Really happy. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I did. Do you, agree, it, yeah. do you agree with me and Connor's gushing? Or I don't think that it affected me as much. Maybe I don't know as much about the topic. I was very impressed with the craft. I, I think that. Remember how you said that people were expecting it to be funny? I think that I may have as well. Um, but now I realize that would have been entirely inappropriate, right? Um, so I, I think that it was it was it was really strong, and it's it's another one of those really good books that I'm glad is out there. 
Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, think... it, it, it's 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 one of the reasons why I love comics because sure, I don't know yeah. if, I don't know if you can tell this story in any other medium. Hey, you might make an interesting short film. Yeah, maybe anime. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys know the creepiest part of this book? What? The pull quote from Richard Ramirez on the back cover. Is that fake or real? What do you think? I don't. I don't know. But either way, when I read it, I was alone in my apartment, <laughs> and I think I checked all the doors after reading it. It was like that creepy sort of serial killer language, just sort of very yeah. straightforward and matter of fact and devoid of emotion. It's like, yeah. oh god. What I was going to say though is is sort of in opposition to what you said, Ron. Is that a lot of people said they want to wait for trade? This to me feels like the kind of book that isn't going to make it if a lot of people do that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely like, right. It, 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 there's books like this that are going to fly very much largely under the radar. Yep. And if you wait for the trade enough, if everybody just says they're going to do that, they're not going to end up printing one because they won't have the stats to to go. I mean, yep. there's just some things that I feel like you need to support at the offset. And I know that that's not fair to people who want to have choice and, and whatever, but the reality of the marketplace is to print more, they have to sell the ones they made in the first place. Yep. Um, and I think that in a way, the six dollar price tag on it is a hindrance because a lot of people shy away from it, which is funny because people would totally buy it if it was two separate issues. Well, yeah, that, but, but that's the thing is like I don't think if this was if this was a one twenty two page if it was the first twenty two pages were in an issue format, I don't think it would have been nearly as powerful. I think this format p- fit it perfectly. So, sure, yeah. but it's still it's it's more of a hump to get over, and yeah, it's, no, it right. has nothing to do with the logic or the reality of it. It's the sticker shock of five ninety nine. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the economy kind of sucks. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, but like this is one of those things. Like, all, like the folks out there who are saying, "I want to wait," I, I really encourage you to just go get it now, because I I think that this is the kind of work that needs people to support it in issue form. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I think. Yeah, totally on the other agree. hand, it's only two issues or, or the equivalent of four, so they may be more likely to put a trade out quicker because they don't have as much to work with. Yeah, maybe, but but you know, if people don't buy it, they're not going to print it. No, no, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, on the other hand, it's possible that it's not like six issue series where they they're the, going to take a bath on. The the net net of this is that if you like Torso by Bendis, if you like True Crime, if you like uh, Zodiac movie that came out last year, if you like you know black and white independent, you just need to go buy this. Just go buy it. Just try it. Just even, I mean, like, yeah. flip through it. You'll know instantly yeah. it's flipping through it whether it's going to be something that, that you want to read. Yeah. It's it's right there on the page. Yeah. So, so yeah, so give it a try. Creepy. Yeah, creepy. Uh, like, it's so funny, Connor. I mean, like, we, after I put up the pick, and uh, very rarely when we, the way we work is that we write our pick of the week and then we trade some emails and planning the show. And very rarely do we comment on each other's pick. Um, like, Almost never, you know. We try to save it for the show and all that kind of stuff. And I was very pleased when I got an email from Connor going, "Yay!" at the pick. <laughs> I was excited. Yeah. I put it down. and I was like, "Man, if I, I wish I had the pick of the week." And then I yeah. saw you picked it. and I was like, "Yes." I was like, "It's so funny because I'm sitting through my stack of books and I'm looking and I'm like, am I really gonna pick this?'" I'm like, "Can I pick this? Can I do that?" And I was like, "Yes, I can." So <laughs> there wasn't a lot right. of competition. It wasn't. Um, Move on. Surprisingly, um, not to say it was bad. I think in another week it probably. It would have been a pick of the week, but yeah, this no, week for yeah, sure. No, no, yeah. Well, no, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying just because it was a light week is it, it's the pick, but I think because it was a light week, it was easier to to absorb it, you know, to, to have it to break through the, the, the stacks. Um, but surprisingly, um, I really enjoyed Detective Comics number 848. Like... I was I was a little I was a little creeped out. I I was really I was sucked into the story, and then the ending I thought was a real punch in the gut, or the heart, depending on your point of view. I I also really enjoyed it, despite my just abhorrence of Hush. But yeah, no, that's um, that was the thing. I'm like I I don't even like Batman, and I really don't like Hush. I really <laughs> don't like Hush, and I'm like, wow, this is really good. I I didn't buy it because of Hush. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't blue. blame you. No, I don't blame you. Uh, the story of this is that Hush, uh, in this particular issue, Hush uh, attacks Catwoman, stabs her, brings her back to his lair where he removes her heart and puts her in some sort of bypass machine and leaves her for Bat- Batman to find without a heart. Jesus. Did Dini write this? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing. It's really dark. It's really dark. It's the last page of Batman walking into the room and seeing Selina on a table with no heart and all of these wires sticking out of her chest. That's really awful. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's <laughs> it was, really, it's really was. Dark. It was striking. Um, um, shit. But that's, you know, that's it's... hardcore than the Roberts. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a hardcore week actually now that I look back on it. <laughs> yeah. No. But you know, it's been an, it's been a weird. I mean, I just don't like Hush. So I don't care what he does or or to whom or what. But um, the art is great. Yeah, I hate Hush so bad. Um, yeah, no. So, but I thought, but I was just striking you know because I'm, I'm reading. I'm mainly reading Detective Comics because I like when Dini writes Batman, and I hate Hush, and I hate. I don't like the a non one and done story and all this kind of stuff. But I, at the end of it, I was just like, oh, and I really like uh, Dustin Nguyen's art, and um, yep. I really really like it. So. Um, he's a guy who who gets better and better. I mean, he's been around for a little while now. Yeah. And when he started out, I think the first time I heard of him, he was coming on to God was it to finish the Authority? I think. Oh yeah. A long time ago, and he that had familiar. A, an anime style, and then after that, he came on and did uh, the Wildcats version three. I think. Um, All right. Yeah. Yeah. He's just gotten better and better and better, and just more. More his his covers are amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. So, cool. He's been good. Um, uh, Spider-Man does love Mary Jane, from what I hear. <laughs> so Spider-Man loves Mary Jane, number two. I feel like number one just came out. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah. I'm interested to, as to why you wanted to talk about this book. Uh, um, just, I'll, the last two pages. Just just the last two pages had me had me swooning. I was just like, oh my god, this is adorable. I love it. I want to eat up every page of this. So you liked this bit because you were both a little lukewarm on the last yeah, one. Yeah, no, I, I I love this issue. I, lo- I I this issue this this sealed the deal for me. I'm on board. I love it. I love it. Like not only was the Terry Moore cover like awesome. Like if I could buy that art, I probably would. Like oh my god. But the 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 seeing the world through Mary Jane's eyes was cute and all this kind of stuff happening. But then to see the last two pages when Mary Jane's walking home and Spider Man comes down and meets you know meets up with her and she doesn't know that he's Peter. And he like offers to walk her home, and they have this most r- sincere, relatable, realistic kids and teenagers conversation that I just thought I I, I just, it was just it, it was adorable. It was just adorable, and I loved it. I so. really like, and I was I was thinking about it as I read those last two pages. I, they struck me too in that I really like the contrast of of uh, like it's like really makes you think of Peter Parker as a spy as a teenager. Yes. Like where he's off fighting Craven, like that's you know that's a pretty big deal. That was a pretty hardcore thing, and then he comes back and he acts like a teenage boy. Yeah, I mean th- it, this this I mean it, this reminds me a lot of Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I mean it really it really does, which is you know so it makes you kind of wonder what the you know you know whether these two books are redundant or not. But I know this has a different kind of point of view and that sort of thing. But this was just this was it was just great. I just love the the dialogue it was just so good, and I like I, I really like Rousseau's art in this as well. So. I really, I really think that this is a comic that a lot of people would like. Yeah. Who who don't necessarily read comics, so yeah. I, I, mean, I don't think that those people will ever find it or ever read it, except in very small numbers. Right. Well, but hopefully, if they were to, hopefully they're listening to us and we'll recommend go over. You know, if you like, if you, if if you have you, a teenage sister or niece or something who really liked the Spider-Man movies, like. Give this a shot, or even you know, even boys. Well, maybe not with that title, but still. No, oh, I hey, I love it. I'm a boy. <laughs> You're not a normal boy in 90210, man. Um, <laughs> oh. By the way, can I just – I think it's damn time that, that Marvel put those Secret Invasion things on the on the covers. What? The little, old, the little hand – the scroll hand-holding with the little he loves you under it. You think it's time for it? They should have been doing that all along. That's yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Well, it's nice branding. Yeah. Well, you know. He loves you. <laughs> Who's he? I think that, that he loves you thing is brilliant, by the way. Really? Why? Oh man, it's it's just it's so like mysterious and scary. It's like save the cheerleader, save the world. Yeah, and yeah, it, it's is, yeah. it, but it's also it's so short and simple, and it, it's contrary to what's happening. They say he loves you just before they kill you. Yeah, yeah. Like, ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Hey, he is Shatner. Um, so here's a here's the thing. <laughs> it's I kind of so, want totally Shatner. <laughs> I I kind of want Sinestro to be my big brother. <laughs> That's screwy. Did yeah, you guys read Green Lantern thirty four? I assume you did. Hell yeah, hell yeah. As I said, my mini this 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 origin's been going on for the last nine ten years. What, and what, the, the uh, thing the thing I find fascinating about this origin is that he's using this origin to lay the groundwork for the future storylines. Because he's very good. This is amazing. It's amazing. No, no, this already happened. Jeff Johns waves hands. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, with this issue, basically, we see we see the first Red Lantern. He's not a Red Lantern currently. But Atro- Atrocious or whatever his name is going to be is going to be the Red Lantern. Atrocitus. Atrocitus is going to be the Red Lantern, and and that's laying the not only is it laying the groundwork to better understand who Jeff Johns is, better not, to better understand who Hal Jordan is, <laughs> <laughs> to better understand who Sinestro is. But now we get to know who the Atrocious is. 
Yeah. No, I, that's one of the best things about this origin is that he's used everything. When this first came out, people were like, oh, he's going backwards. Why? I don't care. But what he's doing is he's laying more tapestry for the, the, the grand story he's getting towards. And everything he does is moving forward even when it's looking back. And that's why that's what's one of the great things. He's so good at structure. Yeah. So, but so, it's silly. It's ridiculous. But so, Josh, so what is it about Sinestro that makes him want you to be related? Well, to he's him? also so good at 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 this relationship, and it's one of the things that makes JSA work really well. Is that his relationships between all of those characters are so strong? But this is just like to, you know, this is the same guy who just wrote the story where where Sinestro is is trying to kill a lot of people and be really horrible, and here he's entirely empathetic i mean he's he's kind of a jerk but he's also like their relationship is is cordial and they they kind of like each other and respect each other and I, you know it's just it's a, it's a really interesting way to go back and and write your villain at an, at an earlier time yeah. and it, it puts context on on those other stories that happen that happened earlier but later you know <laughs> on the, on the Sinestro war stuff like how like think of the con- context of when when Hal goes to see Sinestro in the cell, and when they fight hand to hand. Yep. You know, with this added to it, and you think that this was in their past. Like, how much does it shape what those stories are like? Yep. I mean, it, it's it's this whole very rich thing, and and like I've read for a long time. You know, Sinestro was a Green Lantern, but he was the greatest Green Lantern, and you're seeing that now. I mean, it, oh, it's it, it, really, really impressive. I, I, I'm shocked so at how, how good it still is. Um, since since Sinestro War, since Sinestro Corps War, or whatever the title was, I would be, have a hard time finding a better superhero book than Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there are books as good, but I couldn't find one better. Yeah. Especially working with the, the shackles of, of a lot of continuity in history. Even more so, like there's, you know, like you can say whatever about I- Invincible doing it, but like, you know, he's he's not he's not abandoning the past. He's he's you know reveling in it, uh, which is impressive. And it gets more impressive as it moves along. Like you well, can see yeah. it's it's building this whole this whole structure. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he's rewriting the past to support what he's doing in the future, which is which, uh, and, and typically in comic books gets you know thrown red flags and retcon and all this kind of stuff. But he's doing it in a way that, like you said, he's waving his hand, going, "No, it was always like this." And it just, and all I can do is nod and say, "Yes, you're right." He um, loves you. Yeah, he loves you. Um, <laughs> he loves you. But, he is Jeff Johns. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but uh, uh, <laughs> that would be great. Would, no one would see that coming. <laughs> Nobody at all. It's Jeff Johns. <laughs> but um, you know, I'm just. I mean, I'm just. It's funny because I, I think I, I remember back a couple of years ago when we were just so hard on Green Lantern and Jeff Johns because it was just going nowhere after he brought him back after the you know the rebirth and all that and you know it was just kind of wavering and didn't have, mean anything and just to see how far it's come is just even though this this arc will never end. Um, it just it's oh, just so, so so good. So. I mean, it would like literally, it would feel like forever. But I don't mind. It's good. Yeah, no, you can I mean, keep on going forever. Literally, I I cannot wait to be able to recommend the Green Lantern Secret Origin trade paperback. Yeah, it's gonna it's like gonna the be. question would you know what Green Lantern can I read? And and like we didn't have a great answer for it. Yeah. We had Rebirth and Sinestro Core, and now there's there's the Secret Agent Secret Origin story. That's that's really good stuff. Totally. Yes. totally. Yes. Oh, so so good. So so good. I love it so much. Um, yes. Yeah, Green Lantern. Um, but what I also love is I also love music. And uh, you can download music at emusic.com. Uh, emusic.com is one of the best sources of independent music online. Uh, they've got uh, completely non-DRM'd MP3s that are available for you to download. And if you go to emusic.com forward slash iFanboy, you can check out a whole list of songs that we that we picked for you to uh, download and enjoy. And if you sign up there, you get 50 free downloads. It doesn't mean you have to download the songs we recommended. You can download 50 songs, whatever you want. But if you want to listen to what we listen to, you can download those songs too. So go to emusic.com slash iFanboy. It's uh, super cool, so definitely, definitely uh, use it. So, our playlist needs more Cindy Lauper. Yes, it does. Mm. <laughs> Cindy Lauper is awesome. What a what an odd thing to say. <laughs> 
Um, cool. So some other books came out. Um, I wanted to touch upon uh, Noble Causes number 36, and this is purely self-promotional in that um, if you hadn't heard uh, – uh, um, I spoke to Jay Ferber last week, uh, the writer of Noble Causes, and we discussed uh, the fact that Noble Causes is ending with issue number 40 uh, as well as uh, talked about his you know, uh, other books like Dynamo 5 and Gemini and all that kind of deal. So if you haven't heard that, that was the first official edition of iFanboy Talksplode. Um, which is where we're going to be talking to we're going to be talking to comic creators uh, in an audio format for a little you know longer period of time. Uh, we love talking to them on the video show, right, guys? But uh, the audio is a, sure. it's a different kind of conversation. Yeah, it's a, a semi-regular yeah. feature. Yes. So, um, so if you didn't check that out, uh, go back on the feed. It's going to be the it's the episode right before this one, or you can go to ifanboy.com and you can check it out there. Um, but yeah, so Noble Causes, I mean, it's, inter- it's interesting now knowing that he's ending the series um, to read what he's doing because at this point in issue number 36 is that I don't believe he knew he was going to end it. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, but this, it, it just wraps up the kind of the, f- the first story arc since it kind of came back. And the thing is about Noble Causes is that I, I like it. It's good. I like the characters. I like, it's fun to read, but it's always just fallen a little short. And I don't know what the difference between Noble Causes and Dynamo 5 is that makes Dynamo 5 so much better. Um, but uh, you got to give him credit. I mean, uh, you know, he's going to have you know fifty three issues under his belt of, of the entire run of the series going back to the early two thousand. So um, he's been doing it a while. Yeah, yeah, so he really has. So, um, so yeah, so check out the check out the interview. It's it was really interesting. He talked a lot about a lot of things, not just his books, but also the comics that you know inspired him, as well as um, as well as you know being a create you know doing creator on comics and what with all the Kirkman brouhaha. That's you know, well, yeah, and and that's the thing with with talking to creators. Like it's it's not fun to go on and be like, so what do you have coming out? And then they tell you like right. we will we we will always get off topic i mean it's us right totally come on <laughs> did you awesome. ask him about cindy lopper no i didn't what's with the cindy lopper i don't yeah, know i've been with you all day and there, nothing, i'm not nothing. i'm not in this segment so i'm just drinking beer there's not, there's nothing wrong with cindy lopper i don't get me wrong i love her but you know um hey hey hey, hey you talking oh, about cindy hey. Um, okay, so stay, staying on the Image Comics bent, uh, Savage Dragon number 137 came out, and this was interesting because I got the uh, variant uh, cover that has uh, the dra- Savage Dragon in a suit endorsing Barack Obama, um, which I thought was interesting, and I was really curious at how that was going to work into the story. Um did it or was it just a cover? Well, no, no, it did. Oh, it did. Um, well, because here's the thing: is that Savage? It's really, it's really kind of interesting. And I, lo- I loved uh, you know, political things aside, who you're going to vote for, all this kind of stuff. You know, politics somehow have found their way into comics throughout the years. The presidents have always been present in comics, whether it was in the 40s or the you know 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, all the, all through the years. It's really only until recently where they, I think, they've been even less involved because politics are weird and all that kind of stuff. Um, or polarized, but um, but in Savage Dragon, like like four years ago, Eric Larson had Savage Dragon run for president <laughs> and like put him in the campaign, and so like there's there's c- political context within this, the lifespan of Savage Dragon, so it's not you know out of the ordinary. But what was interesting was that um, you know Savage Dragon continue you know now recently that Eric Larson stepped down as publisher of Image, hopefully he's going to be doing more you know doing his books more consistently. But with Savage Dragon, he's really been. He's continuing the story. He's having a good time with it. He's, um, you know, this one, the coloring was the one to notice was that he's doing a lot of experiments, and the color palette with this one was really interesting. Uh, Madman was in it, as well as some of the other characters that are in Image. But it literally goes through the whole story, and then at the, at the very, very end of the issue, um, the press attack um, Savage Dragon, and they ask him all these questions about the fight he just had, and someone says, you know, you were a presidential candidate. Who are you supporting? And in the last panel, he says, and Barack Obama, that's who I'm supporting. And then the issue ended. So it was literally the last panel of the book tied into the cover, which I thought was he funny. Must have, so. must have done that after yeah. the <laughs> Democratic <laughs> thing was settled. Yeah, probably. That's my guess, is that he's working on it during the primaries. And he's like, I'm going to throw this in. Oh, it's funny. It just made me laugh. Okay, anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> end leak number four. Wow. <laughs> I forgot this book existed. Weren't we just joking about that? Yes. Uh, yes. And and I didn't off the air. I don't know if that I don't know if that would have made a difference um, cuz I don't remember really being terribly clear on what was happening in the other ones. <laughs> and and I still have no idea what's happening in the other ones. Um, I feel like it was a little better this time. Excuse me, the Daytona 500 is going on outside. Um, <laughs> the this one I felt like a, they they kind of focused on one or two characters as opposed to a whole lot of them in this one. Yep. Um well the- and I mean, the best part about this was at the very end was the change of artist from yeah. Matt Broom to Eric Canetti, and and quite honestly, 
if not for that change, I would not have bought this issue. And that was exactly I mean, why I want to talk about it because and nothing against Matt Broom, I'm sure you know, like whatever. But like the 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 this is the end of Matt Broom's run, and they introduced Eric Kennedy as the new artist in the last you know what was it like ten pages or so, and just Eric Kennedy's art is just awesome. I just love it. It was it just and I, it blew me away. And I didn't yeah. honestly I didn't care what the words are or what they were saying. I was like, wow, these <laughs> these panels are awesome. So I'm yeah, I, I had a good time with this, and and and. I don't know. I mean, like, Matt Broom, I don't know. If he wasn't bringing the extra energy to this that a book like this needs, I guess the little something extra to get it over the hill. But, like, look at the cover. Yeah. It's weird looking. Yep. Oh, no, it's definitely weird looking. The left arm's all weird. The dude's known the ha- the hat is retarded. Yep. It's it's weird looking. Um, And, it, you know, the horse actually looks fine, but the person doesn't, which is odd. Um, I really like that character, though, the... The Prairie, De- Prairie Devil? Is that it? I forget his the name. Main. He's some sort of ghost type th- ghost yeah, cowboy. I like him. He's, yeah. he's a good time. But like because they were focusing on him for about half the issue, I felt like I could finally get into it for a little while. But I do spend too much time with this book still trying to figure out who the amalgam is because I know that they're all just sort of versions of other superheroes. Right. I what, what, what I think is really interesting about this, and that, and that we love, you know, like we love Fear Agent. We, we, I'm a big fan of Rick Remender. End League up to this point is not a success. It's this is this is a failure. And I think it's really interesting, to, you know. And I'm not surprised to see that it's it's you know had de- you know delays in shipping, and, and it's taken forever for the issues to come out. And it's interesting to see what the difference of of the artist change can do, whether it can save the book or not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, on the on the, I mean, that's that's one way to put it. On the other hand, like I I really like the idea, and this is part of the reason that I've been buying it and supporting it is I really like the idea that a guy who does a book that I really love, a couple of them that I really love, um, that are all very different. And then he does this, which is I literally, if you were to hand this to me, I couldn't pick out who the writer is. Right. It's very like, as opposed to if you were to hand me a Bendis book, for the most part, I'd be like, "Is this Bendis? You know, right. like this? You know, is this Jonathan Hickman? Like, I would know. Right. Because it would take this me be a lot of words, and, it, and I won't have seen it for months and months and months. <laughs> um, hey, that, of course, this could be. This is a lot of words, and I haven't seen it for months. Like, <laughs> did Jonathan Hickman write this? <laughs> um, anyway, so I'm excited for for it to go on. I, I hope that. Uh, it picks up a little for me. Yeah, and if anything, just to get monthly Eric Kennedy art. So yeah, that guy, that guy's got talent. Yeah, Oodles. go pick up the go pick up other stuff he did. Yeah, Iron Man Enter the Mandarin. That's the one. It's so. Um, if I had a choice of pick of the week, I would have agreed with most of the people on iFanboy.com at the time we recorded this. Okay, and I would have gone with Fables number seventy-five, and you all would have been wrong. Says the guy who didn't read it again. Like, you just <laughs> no, like make trouble. Jesus, Boston that's all they would have killed you. Yeah, exactly. All you people out there, that's all he's doing. He's easy goading you. Don't take the bait. Um, this this was basically if if you're not reading the the book, this is I think what was supposed to be the end of the series. Oh really? Um, he's decided not to end it, but sort of uh, the the big war ended. Yeah. It, it's all over. The adversaries defeated. Uh, good one. Cool. Yada yada yada. Then he um, got a royalty big... check, and he went, "Why am I stopping this?" Yeah. No. Oh, he went, "Hey, oh, that, no, that, I'm not that, done. No, no, no. <laughs> that that point guy's not wrong. Hang on. <laughs> he should just keep going. Uh, big double size issue. The the whole war has been really interesting, and it's been a nice long lead up. And you know, it didn't feel like a foregone conclusion to read through it. Um, you know, but at this point, there's it's interesting because there's just so many characters. And they're all so fleshed out because we've had so long to get to know them. But also, like, there's still interesting things to happen about them. Uh, Prince Charming, uh, you know, in this whole storyline has been really interesting because he's sort of portrayed as a gadabout, but he's actually a hell of a military leader, too. Um, There's a really interesting uh, relationship between him and, um, oh, I forget the guy who was with him. It may be Alibaba. I'm not sure. Um and they they have like the 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 blimp that that they've been firebombing with, and it's just it was a, it was a lot of fun, and it was really I love books that are uh, about battle or warfare, but that are also really tactical. Like the tactics are all right there. Um, the ending had a nice a nice sort of uh, I don't want to say it's surprise, but but it was it went away that you didn't think it was going to. Um, and, and this was just it was just a ton of fun, and and all like. It's a guy who just loves doing this book, and and you, you know, and all the people like the people get really excited when this book comes out, and this one was a really important issue, and it didn't disappoint. So cool. it was great, awesome. 
So I, I was really surprised when when the 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 pick of the week speculation was occurring on the site, and then after I posted it, <laughs> and everyone and I was like, "Oh, thank God you didn't pick Marvel Apes number one. I thought you were going to pick that one." And oh, I thought, "Why didn't you pick Marvel Apes number one? What fucking world do I pick Marvel Apes number one as the pick of the week? Did you read this? I tried. I did. I oh. read it four pages in and I closed it very politely. Oh, and put it back and pretended like it never happened. <laughs> Holy yep. crap! What, how did this get through? I didn't. It was very this. popular when it was when it was announced. People went, you know, they went ape. bananas, <laughs> ate bananas for it. <laughs> um, inexplicably, one of the cons we were at when they showed the the slide for it, the place went crazy. So yeah, someone people wants love it. high concept monkey stuff. Those people are crazy. I don't know. I, mean, I didn't think this was that bad. All right, defend. I mean, it. defend. I don't it. think it was going to be. I didn't defend think it was going to it. be. It's just an Elseworld story. They took this sad sack D list character. The Gibbon, who was kind of funny, likable enough, and then he got transported somewhere else, and there everyone was a monkey. <laughs> what, if, what if the Marvel Universe were apes? Whatever. <laughs> it sounds like a Ricky Gervais pitch. I did, yeah, exactly. <laughs> monkey news. I mean, to be completely honest, like I think people either, I think a lot of people wrote it off because they were sick of whatever. But you know, like I would have thought Marvel Zombies would have been really stupid too. Right, but Marvel Marvel Zombies was really clever. And this, I, I just didn't feel this didn't feel terribly inspired. That's all. Both. I guess I didn't really expect anything from it, so I was just yeah. like, whatever. I read it. Felt like felt like Howard the Duck. Yeah, yeah I mean, both written wise and art wise, it didn't seem very inspired in either direction. Yes, so. that's exactly. It was very yeah. bland. Yeah, exactly. just sort of exactly. It, nothing in the story. So, if you want to continue reading it. So I just want to reach out to the iFanboy community and and, and, and you know, reassess your opinion of me, people. Come on, jeez. <laughs> My God! Monkey news. Monkey news. All right. So user reviews. Uh, so at ifanboy.com forward slash comics, you, the user, can go in. A user can go in. You can pick your comics, and then after you read them, you can rate them and review them as well. And we wanted to highlight a couple of um, reviews. Uh, Connor, why don't you give us the first one? William K. Scurry Jr. reviewed Amazing Spider-Man 570 and gave the story a 4 out of 5 and the art a 5 out of 5. And 3.1% of the iFanboy's community made this their pick of the week. And he says, this story picked up again after flagging in part two. It's amazing what a Ramita Jansen Venom on Venom throwdown will do to compress your storytelling. Sure, anti-Venom might be something we would have run across in 1995, but somehow it works here under the whimsical hand of Dan Slott. Yes. Well, well said, sir. Um, I think I think he's being a little overly generous to it. I, 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 I'm loving Ramita's art. I just hate Venom. And yeah. I, and I hate the idea of an anti-venom, you know. But there was one page when it was like Spider-Man, Venom, and anti-venom all looking at each other, and they're all trying to figure out who to punch first. That like was, yeah. that was the, the the triangle aspect was funny. Was 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 interesting to read. So um, it's I've been enjoying it as much as yeah. again as much as I hate venom as much as you do. But uh, yeah. the story's been fun. I thought and the interest and the idea that that Eddie was cured and then he was not cured and then he tried to cure Spider. No, I was trying to cure Spider-Man. Yeah. I, I've been enjoying it. Yeah. Why do we why do we live in a world where where I did I don't mind Marvel apes and and I don't really mind Venom? I mean, I don't like Venom as he's shown up most of the time, but like all of my first me- my first memory of Venom, which is always going to stick with me is that amazing Spider-Man when McFarlane was doing it and and May opens up the door and he's sitting like Eddie Brock is on the front porch. Yeah, well, I, like, I think you missed the whole time where they turn, you know, they they, they shoved him yes. down our throats and then I they did. tried to make him good and then yeah, it's like every his own series. He was right. overloaded like every good v- villain is and you missed that part. You yeah. you got the well, good I, scary Venom and then you missed yeah. out on stupid yeah. hero Venom. Yeah, well I skipped all that stuff. So to me that's what Venom is and I still like, "Oh, that's creepy. That's that's classic." But yeah. That's right. why you live in your world. Yeah. Right. Like Marvel Apes. Um, Mart had a review of Secret Six number one, uh, which apparently a lot of people were looking forward to, and I don't know anything about. Uh, story was four out of five, and art was four out of five. Uh, 9.1% of the community made this their pick, which is not insignificant. Uh, this is a solid comic book. The atmosphere is grisly, but we don't see anything to turn the stomach. I was pleasantly surprised when a member didn't do the obvious and slaughter an innocent on a whim. Because the nastier the six get, the less I like them. Simone likes to tease fans that this is going to be the book that hovers close to the edge. Um, and when he says Simone, the writer's Gail Simone uh, with Nicholas Scott on... Uh, pencils, I believe. I fully intended to buy this uh, purely really? because I was impressed with Nicola Scott when in our, when we interviewed her in San Diego, and I really disliked Gail Simone. Um, completely forgot. Just, just I, I, I put it on my pull list. I went to the store and I came home like, oh, I forgot to buy that book. Oh well. 
So <laughs> there was a Secret Six Mini that apparently was popular than I realized because yeah. uh, people really were looking forward to this. I, I'm not a fan of Simone's work, so I didn't buy it as much as I like Nicole Scott's heart. But yeah, I was but, in the room when they announced this, and the, you know, the place went nuts. Yeah, no, they did like, they, like the apes. Yeah, like the apes. It was crazy. They went bananas. So, um, I think they gas us in those rooms. There must be some sort of I think they do. happy some, juice. Yeah, exactly. Some sort of enthusiasm. First up, hit the slide in the gas. <laughs> so uh, go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics and uh, rate and leave a review of your comics. Uh, let everyone know what you think. The pop culture deluge does not stop. And when you finish your comics and you'd like to curl back on the couch with your 60-inch plasma screen, how do you get content to fill it? Well, you should probably get a Netflix subscription uh, they have over 90,000 titles. There are no late fees, free shipping both ways. Uh, Blu-ray titles if you have HD. There is a very fast delivery. Most of them uh, arrive in one day, one business day. And plans start from $4.99, and you can get a free two-week trial if you go to www.netflix.com slash iFanboy. So do that if you haven't, because it's fun. Yay. Normally, this time point of the show is when we, we do the viewer mail or the listener mail, either either or. But uh, since next week we're doing the big 150th episode of Extravaganza with all mail, we're not going to do mail this time. Oh, my God. Is it an, it's an all-mail extravaganza? All-mail extravaganza. That sounds, they, sounds like wait, a dance party I don't want to go to. Naked boys singing. Is it going to be hot cops? <laughs> there might be some hot cops. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> They're hot, Michael. Uh, so instead of that, we present to you my fanboy's book of the month for September. Josh, yeah, uh, yeah, a, bo- a book of the month. <laughs> Say that to the guy in the three thousand dollars suit. <clears throat> uh, I was having a hard time choosing, and I sent an email out to everybody, and I said, "Help me choose," because I don't like to think on my own. And I got back a lot of su- uh, suggestions that were okay, and 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 Ron Ron starts by saying, he says. Well, why don't you do the the Punisher Warzone book? War Journal. Punisher War Journal trade featuring early Jim Lee art. And I I, I wrote back. I was like, have you met me? Do you know me at all? (laughs) And and then he comes back with, with, what about this Rick Geary book? A a Treasury of 20th Century Murder, The Lindbergh Child, America's Hero and the Crime of the Century. That's a title I hope I don't have to say again. It's very long. It's the murder show. I said, what is this? And, and I'd never heard of this guy who has done apparently 30 of these books. And you totally thought I was screwing with you. No, I totally didn't. Oh, no. Cause, yeah, no, no, no cause when you were, yeah, because I was very enthusiastic and I just read it and I was just like, oh, my God, you need, I want everyone to read this. So. Yeah, except when Ron does that, I'm, always, I'm usually right. very exactly. um, hesitant. Suspicious. He gets really excited about things that sometimes don't merit my own excitement. Um, but I looked it up and I thought, oh, that sounds like something I could get into because it's true crime. And so I went to the store, and, and uh, I, I leafed through it, and I thought, this is perfect. In fact, at the same time, I picked up another book that he did about Lincoln, which I've started reading, too. Uh, Rick Geary uh, did a bunch of books called uh, A Treasury of Victorian Murder, <laughs> and, and they're all about 19th century murders, and apparently he ran out of those, and now he's doing 20th century ones. And so this is a very a fact-based account of, of the, the kidnapping of, of Charles Lindbergh's son in 1932. There's no Prime of the century. Yes, and, and, and what's important to notice is that is that Lindbergh was as famous as famous gets worldwide. I mean, in 1927, he flew across the Atlantic and he was well known, except he was kind of a recluse, which made people want to know more and more about him. And so, uh, when his kid was 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 kidnapped, it was big news. And this was like the first sort of showing of the mass media, like gathering around his house and tromping across his property and wrecking the crime scene quite honestly um and 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 this book i mean has it has diagrams and maps and uh you know like he does one of the things that's really really nice about it is that he there's a thing that you can't do now with things that happen like when you watch a dramatization it's goofy as hell like you know, you, like if you watch, like they hire actors to play parts in in a story that they they don't have actual footage of. Right. And there's a thing about cartooning that you can do that, and and done well, you can do it with seriousness. Cartoon doesn't have to mean silly. And and I, that's one of the things that I really like about seeing them do a historical book like this. Um, it, it just takes you through it. It really. I, I got to think about it, and this is this would actually be really good for like a teaching aid if you're teaching history or something like that. 
Oh, totally, um, totally. These because what's great about what Rick Erie does is that, and it, what's funny is because you know he does he did a Jack the Ripper book, and when everybody thinks of Jack Ripper, they think of From Hell, Alan Moore, and what From Hell was is Alan Moore's opinion of who the Jack Jack the Ripper murderer was. It was his theory. But it's his theory. Rick Erie doesn't present any theories. He gives you every option that's out there. And mm-hmm. just presents the facts, which is – and then like like Lindbergh, this Lindbergh book drew me drove me crazy because mm-hmm. I was just like – because he's like, was it this person? Was it this person? There's a page of all the questions that are still unanscered from this yeah. crime, and I was and, just like, oh, this is mind-blowing. Man, not, Hopman got screwed. He didn't do it. Well, no, but there's also a pretty – Bruno Hopman was, uh, was convicted and tried and executed for this, but yeah. there were a lot of lingering questions. Now, there are a lot of things that – Point to him being the, the the kidnapper and murderer. The wood, the the panel the wood, of wood the, for the ladder that matched his money, house. The money, yeah. Mon- he had not all the money, but a lot of the money. Right. Um. But there was all these loose ends, and at the end of the book, you just you don't know. Yeah. No one knows, and it really puts you in the mindset of what if you were an investigator? What if you were a juror? Yeah. What would that have been like? And and well, one of the things I found really interesting is because this takes place in the 30s. Like it's there was things that are slightly different. Like I, it struck me that he called the cops, and the cops took forty minutes to get there. Yeah, this is the most famous guy in the country, yep. and his son is missing. Like you do that now, you know. Brad Pitt calls the cops. Yeah, they're, they're there. there. Yeah, and and minutes. what also what I found interesting, which I which probably happens now, but to a lesser degree, or whatever, is that so the son gets kidnapped. It's all over the papers, and then people just start saying, "Oh, I've got him." And, oh, yeah. and asking for ransom money, and it's just like, who in their right mind thinks that they can do that? And like people scam, like the story of the guy the who scam- was the scam artist and stuff. Oh my god, the people who who like came up and be like, I will act as your agent, and you do see that. Yeah, you will see that now if you watch any of those white girls been kidnapped stories on MSNBC. There's always like this guy's speaking for the family, and he always has a black cowboy hat on, and yeah. you know, like, works out of Nevada. And and like there were people like that then, and it's just it's fascinating. And, and like some some of the facts like can't be corroborated; they're only what the one guy said. And and just weird things like the yippy dog didn't bark, and so like people thought that Lindbergh did it, and it was just like it, like it's just crazy. It's just cr- I mean, the, the, there are no fingerprints at all in the room. You know, like was it an inside job? Like and what, what drives me crazy is that we will never know. We will nope. never know ever. Nope. Never, never ever. ever. Drives me crazy. Gives me chills. I couldn't sleep for like two hours after I finished that book. It was, really yeah. is the kind of book where you get going, and even though you know in your mind there's no answer, like you're going to the end of it to see, well, maybe there is an answer that I didn't know, and there's not. Right. And and Rick Erie does a great job of telling the story. I think of uh, the art. The, I mean, the art is is it's a newspaper cartoony kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, Which is what a, he yeah. does. Yeah, exactly. So and, and I mean, it's just a great. It's a great use of the medium to tell a true crime story. I mean, it's just fascinating. The, the one of the things that I like uh, about his art style specifically is that when he has to draw people, yeah. Um, when you're a cartoonist, you can sort of do a little caricature on stuff. And and you can bring out the personality, supposed personality of those people in those drawings a little more than a photograph can. So he can tell you by by the eyes, or he can tell you by like the way that he draws Lindbergh is with Lindbergh's his eyes, hair, so and the and hair, his, yeah, yeah, and it's sort of in shadow. Like he's a private guy; he doesn't really want to be in the spotlight, which is you know ironic. But I I loved that part about it. Yeah. Really, really good, and also things like that. Just I loved, I love looking at like it was you know less than a hundred years ago, and like he had a house in New Jersey, and like they lived in northern New Jersey, and the house was like down by Trenton. But like that night, one of the nights he was supposed to be in Manhattan, and I was just like, wow, people went from Jersey to New York that quickly that back then. I was like, you know, like uh, yeah, I mean it's just it's funny. I mean it's just it's funny to, to, to think about it. it wasn't that long ago, but it really was, and so it's yeah, so. yeah, anyway. exactly, yeah. You know, like a lot hasn't changed, but a lot has. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like what a what a what a really other good example of the kind of things that can be done with comic books. Yeah, we're all pro comic books this week. It's nice. Oh, I love Yay. I love that. That's it's just the thing that people don't know. Yeah. It's not just damned superheroes. Look yeah, at this. Exactly. So go to ifanboy.com and click on the Book of the Month link up at the top of the page. You can read all of Josh's uh, Book of the Month review, as well Bravo. as some uh, pages from the book. Good yes. stuff. Bravo, Josh. Mm-hmm. So. Thanks. Thank you iFanboy is proud to be a part of the Windy City Comic Con. Join us October 25th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Center on Halstead, just two blocks from Wrigley Field in the heart of Chicago's Wrigley Field neighborhood. This one-day event will bring together the best comic book retailers, publishers, and creators in the Midwest. The area's top retailers will be offering great deals on new issues, collected editions, statues, games, toys, apparel, and tons, literally tons, of back issues. 
Meet some of the Midwest's best talent, including Gene Ha, Don Kramer, Mike Norton, Chris Burnham, Will Pfeiffer, Bill Reinhold, Doug Kluba, Rich Koldslowski, Jeffrey Brown, Tim Seeley, and many, many more. Book your plans now to attend the Windy City Comic Con on October 25th for a full list of exhibitors, guests, gaming schedules, programming. <laughs> I just banged my knee. Go to www.windycitycomiccon.com. That's Comic Con spelled C-O-M-I-C-O-N.com. The Windy City Comic Con, Chicago's only comic book convention. Very exciting. Very, very, very Rosemont. Yeah, it's not in Rosemont. Fucking Rosemont. Damn right. So if you live in Chicago, there's no reason not to go to the Windy City Comic Con. So go to it. Um, all right, cool. So on to the voicemail. Um, our first voicemail's got a uh, question about uh, geography and scenes. Hey, this is Dave calling you from Denver, Colorado. I am about to take a road trip through Texas, and my question is this. Um, Colorado, I think, has a, a lot of really good comic stores and a lot of good comic geeks and a lot of good comic culture and all that. Um, and I'm about to go to Texas, and from what I can tell, they actually probably have you know a similar situation. So what states and what cities and what towns have you guys been to that you think have really good you know, comics shops and comic cultures? Um, that's the question. Bye. You know, we, we can only say with, with certainty the places that we've been, but I know that we've all seen, you know, Los Angeles has a great comic book scene. Ron knows uh, San Francisco and, of course, you know, New York. Is- yeah, if you, I mean, if you look in, in New York, you've got Midtown Comics, you've got Jim Haley's Universe, you've got, you know, Forbidden Planet, you've got St. Mark's Comics, great comic book stores in New York, and San Francisco. Marvel and DC. Yeah, Marvel and DC are both there, so there are a lot of great events. The CBLDF does parties there and things like that. Um, there's a scene. There's, there's, a, there's scene. a scene. There's a scene. In LA, there's a, there's a, a, a different kind of scene but definitely a scene and you got meltdown and you've got secret headquarters and you've got you know and a golden apple of course and um and then up here in san francisco um there's a you know great there's a great scene you know of course you know uh, isotope comics where i shop but also you know comic relief across the bay and you know like and there, there's a strong com- you know images here in san francisco in berkeley so um you know, there's a there definitely is a strong comic scene there, but there there are other cities. I mean, we just talked about Chicago with the this you know with this Windy City Comic Con. Chicago has a has, has a great scene. It seems like there's a lot of people in Chicago in the Chicago area that are doing. But well, and all those all those artists, yeah. you know, and, and writers mentioned that they're from there. You know, like there's a lot of people in Chicago who just hang out, and it's just there's a lot of a lot of talent cool. there. Is what I'm learning. But um, Portland, I've heard, Portland, Oregon. Too. Por- yeah, Portland, where Bendis is, and 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 Seattle, and actually Seattle too, to a certain degree. And yep. basically, look look to see where there are conventions. Um, you know, like um, I mean, you know, Charlotte with HeroesCon has got you know this, has got the kind of southern kind of you know the the thing the, the heroes Atlanta Atlanta sort of Atlanta. Famous. I hear good things actually. Believe it or not, about Florida. I mean, um, I, I, there's a couple of good stores in Florida. I think in Orlando maybe, or um, you know that that are good comic stores and comic you know comic fans and things like that. So I think all the comics there are soggy. Yeah, <laughs> you're going through Texas and Dallas. Dallas Fort Worth is sort of known as having a pretty good scene there. Yeah. Um, the what was the one of the places the Kansas City area which has all of those? Oh yeah, that's def- yeah, that's got a lot of. Cr- the difference is that there are stores and fans versus creators, not versus, but you know, I mean, yeah, some, but those, some those cities creators- don't have a lot of creators. Like here in San Francisco, we don't have a lot of pro pro creators, you know. But there's a strong but- comic scene. See those those creators though. I think a lot of times they come out of strong fan scenes. That's yeah, how they absolutely. all know each other. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah. when you, when you wonder like, well, how did Robert Kirkman know Tony Moore? Well, because they met each other at the comic shop. And the more people like that you have hanging around comic shops, the more that stuff starts to build up. Which I think is, you know, probably why a lot of pros end up moving to Chicago. There's a good scene there. Things like that. Yeah. And they got pizza. <laughs> good pizza. <laughs> all right. Uh, pizza um, cake. Our next Too voice, much. Our next voicemail is a question only I could answer. It's not really pizza. <laughs> <laughs> you cool, you're fooling yourself. Hi, guys. Recently, I was going back to some old X-Men comics, and despite my overwhelming hatred of Wolverine, I mostly enjoyed it. But I was wondering, could someone please explain to me Polaris, her whole storyline, background, origin, whatever, has gotten me completely confused. All right, thanks. Bye bye. By the way, my name's Erica. Bye. Oh, Polaris! I like Polaris. <laughs> um, Polaris is the for those who don't know, she's the X Men character with the green hair, and she um, can control magnetism. Um, and when she first came out in the late sixties, everybody the the obvious was that everybody thought she was Magneto's daughter, um, but turns out that she's not, um, or it's never been confirmed. 
but um, she has the same powers as Magneto, basically. And she's always been connected with Havoc, uh, Alex Summers, Cyclops' brother. Um, they've, they've always been, had an on, on-again, off-again relationship. They were together in X-Factor in the early 90s on that team. Um, and, you know, she's, she's one of my favorite characters. I, I really like her because she's got kind of a – she's got really strong powers. And she's also got, you know, kind of the spirit and the attitude to go with it. And um, I'm a big fan of Havoc, so Havoc and Polaris is always they're, – they're kind of like the lesser Cyclops and Phoenix, you know, but, but I like them too. So um, hopefully that answers your question. I don't know. Go to Wikipedia and read the Polaris entry. It's, it's quite detailed. Uh, <laughs> That's all you're doing right now, isn't it? <laughs> no, I mean I knew that from my mind, but I, I'm sure Wikipedia is detailed. So, anyway, um, cool. Well, thank you very much, Erica, for calling in. And if you have any questions that you want to ask us, you can call us at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. So as I said before, next week is our big one hundred fiftieth episode extravaganza, and what we're going to do is start the show like normal, talk about the pick of the week, which is Josh's, I believe, and <gasps> then. Once that is done, we're going to spend the rest of the show doing email, listener email. So if you've got an email you want answered in the 150th episode, send it in to contact at ifanboy.com with a subject heading episode 150, and hopefully we'll get it on there. We're going to try to do as many as we can, cram in, we'll do an extra long show, and it should be a lot of fun. Uh, we're looking forward to it. I am anyway. When, when you said we were going to do the rest of the show doing email, I thought we would just say, okay, hang on a second. You <laughs> I got to check it. my email. And then... And then Okay. All right. Next one. <laughs> Sorry, we had to clean out our inbox, but this was really helpful. Thanks, everyone, for Wait, listening. Hang on, hang on. Okay. Yeah. He's really replying to emails right now. That's the sad part. <laughs> this was like, wait a minute, it's an excuse. No, emails closed. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. It's gonna be awesome. Um, so send in your emails. That'd be awesome. Did, did they? Did you mention they have this the subject line? We did that already. Yeah, subject okay, one fifty. Right. I was and, I was I was uh, repl- responding to email, so I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I was I was sending a forward. <laughs> uh, um, a delightful little joke <laughs> about a pirate and two ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so um so so be sure to if you're listening to this podcast you probably know about ifanboy.com but if you don't know about ifanboy.com uh go there check it out it's a website that we do along with some other folks and it's where we got you know the pick of the week review book of the month review great articles by josh connor myself as well as you know, a bunch of other writers like paul dini of detective comics and you know paul and jim ski and mike romo and sonia and the whole crew um so yeah chris neesman's comic shots column every thursday so yeah so go to ifanboy.com it's awesome it's the best community comics community online and if you're not there you're missing out so yes <laughs> if you I want to buy something I don't have any parts in the script again com slash store is where you can buy books that we talk about on our video show as well as you can see things we like that are not comic book related as well as you can go to amazon.com by clicking on the link and helping us out anything you purchase through amazon We'll uh, get a small little percentage of... Tiny, uh, tiny percentage. <laughs> small. Small. Yeah. And uh, no no extra cost to you. So if you want to do that, thank you very much. Yep. Oh, the video show, The Bane of My Waking Life. No, that's not true. Uh, every Wednesday, the, uh, the, the video show, the weekly video show, iFanboy, comes out. Uh, this past week was uh, Ron just... Just hanging around Mark Miller and Tony Harris. Pretty much. <laughs> just leave them alone, you those poor bastards. Anyway, did you notice that he's drinking a lot always? Was that Mark Miller is always he he had the beer, but he's, he's just Scottish. Drinking. Yeah, that's I mean, true. That's... I saw him and I saw him in other videos also with beer in other places. So yeah, yeah. he's having a good time. No, but it, it was it was a good time. Uh, this next week coming up is going to be comic book villains, super villains, as it were. Uh, we're talking about that. We talked about superheroes a little while back. Now we're going to talk about villains. Yay. Evil. Evil. Or not maybe so evil. That's part of the question. Hmm? Okay. And you, can, <laughs> you should, So check that out at ifanboy.com or revision3.com forward slash ifanboy. You can also check out there are many episodes of the daily little short burst videos that come out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. And if you have a TiVo, you can find us in the TiVo on your TiVo in the video download section. Uh, so it's very exciting. And if you want to email us, like we said earlier, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys That's 326-2697. Uh, get over to ifanboy.com slash about, and you will, A, see our smiling visages. Maybe we aren't smiling. Maybe we're being serious and grim. But there's also links to all the social networking stuff that we got going on, Comic Space, MySpace, Verb, Facebook, Twitter, Goodreads. Yeah. You know. Comics is a serious business. Yes, they are. 
If you like the show, you can head over to iTunes, as Tad Stones told you to do last week, and, and write us a review for this audio show or for the video show. Either one we appreciate it. It helps us uh, out. It helps people find the show. It's a good way to get the word out. And better yet, if you tell your friends, tell your comic store owner, tell your podcasting buddies, tell, tell the cop who pulls you over on the side of the street for driving erratically. Tell everyone. So, tell no one. Uh, no, we know everyone. Tell everyone. Um, and finally, if you like what we do and uh, you like uh, that we provide it to you absolutely free of charge on a daily basis, you can go to ifanboy.com forward slash donations and you could uh, donate to ifanboy and uh, help us uh, keep on give, giving this stuff to you because uh, we love to do it. So thank you. And thank you to all those who have donated to support support us. We really we couldn't do it without you. So That's true. That's very true. So awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to go uh, read some more about true crime and not be able to sleep tonight. Excellent. Yeah, it really does creep me out. I, I tell you, between between the Lindbergh book and now the Roberts, I, I've been I've been in a, a constant state of creeped out. The he Night Stalker quote got me. Yeah, the Night Stalker was bad. Yeah. Why I, does he do that? Well, it's just weird because I'm in San Francisco and Zodiac was here, and I know like it's, like it's freaky. Ago. Yeah, forty years ago, but still, but thirty years ago, forty. They never caught him, Josh. He could they, be Ron's neighbor. It's like it's like the fucking guy in the '80s who um who with the with the Advil with the Tylenol. They never caught him yeah. either. That freaked me out. For years, that freaked me out. The guy who was putting the cyanide in ty- Tylenols? Yeah. I'm sorry. That was me. <laughs> you were seven. <laughs> I, was, I was a very industrious seven. <laughs> Oddly enough, the hardest part about the whole thing was getting the caps off the bottles. <laughs> <laughs> and now my man will come to... Fr- t- oh, um, stymied. She had no idea what was going on. She just wanted me to shut up, so she kept opening them. Why are you, why are you having me on open, open all these bottles? Shut up, woman. <laughs> I've got a very bad headache. You know, they did catch, they caught they the New York Zodiac, though. Remember that guy? Oh, yeah, I do. I do remember that guy. It was yeah. scary. That's yeah. where the, that was when the Guardian Angel started. Yeah, it was creepy. All right. You guys want to talk about this alone? Oh, yeah, I can we're, go. we're going to go. We're going to do the uh, I Serial Killer show. Yeah, <laughs> iKiller.com. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Until next time. audience is huge and scary. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I am Josh.